0: Hey, welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is episode 13. This is Alex, and uh, I just want to say that we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways we believe that we can do this is to read God's Word and talk about it. So we're here to encourage one another on our journey toward spiritual maturity, and something that our church family here at Messiah is doing together is uh, going through a three-year Bible reading plan, or as some like to call it, a five minutes a day for three years reading plan. Uh, so today on our show we have uh, a guest that is often kind of working behind the scenes, Emily Smith. Welcome, Emily. Hello. That yeah, Emily is a person of many <laughs> words sometimes, and uh, so awesome i i am glad to to have you on on the podcast emily <laughs> why don't you tell us uh about yourself
1: all right so um my name is emily. you were born
0: on no I'm...
1: <laughs> <laughs> my name is emily smith i was born on april 5th of 94 um i recently got married my i guess maiden name is hawkins ah which is interesting to some people. Um, I was born in Texas. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We lived there for 13 years before we moved back to Texas in 2009, and I've been a member of the Lutheran Church ever since.
0: Very nice.
1: Yeah. Anything Emily,
0: else? Emily, what, what do you like to do in your free time?
1: Oh, um, I... I sing a little bit, so I like to play music in my free time. Um, I like to draw, actually. I haven't done it in a while, but I know it at some point brought me happiness, so I I like doing that. Um, I went to art school for animation, so I, I also really like to watch animated movies and look at how they, try to figure out how they created it and stuff.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. I remember the time that you and Caleb came over to Aaron and I's <laughs> apartment uh, yeah. while Jax was sleeping, or mm, trying Supposed to go to to sleep. Supposed to be. <laughs> Supposed to be sleeping, and we watched Toy Story 4, and I cried.
1: You did, a yeah. A lot. <laughs> <You did. laughs> anyways,
0: <Yeah>. enough uh, <laughs> self-embarrassment. Uh, But thank you, Emily, for telling us about yourself. Uh, Today we are going over—actually, we are finishing Numbers, the book of Numbers. Last week we covered chapter 36. Well, at least it was covered in the readings for our plan. I don't know if we—I can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast. But today we're going to cover the readings from April 25th to April 30th, and this covers Numbers chapter 30 to 35. I actually cut it off um, into a, a six-day group of reading. Normally we cover seven days, but because I didn't want to talk about Deuteronomy yet, I just wanted <laughs> to close out the book of Numbers. We are just doing Numbers 30 to 35, and that's six chapters. So uh, just to remind everyone, right now the Israelites are kind of, uh, they're by the Jordan River, they're kind of at the edge of the promised land in the plains of Moab, as they used to call it, and they're about to enter. They've been traveling in the wilderness for a long time. So let's do an overview of Numbers chapter 30 to 35. Emily?
1: Okay, so chapter 30 is all about women making vows and them making vows in their uh, dads can hear them as young women or them making vows and their husbands can hear them. And like the relationship between those two um, chapter 31 is a wild chapter against the war against um, the Midianites and lots of crazy vengeance related things. in that chapter 32, the ruin and Gad wanting to live in Gilead instead of the promised land, I guess. Um, all in relation to their sheep that they just got. Chapter 33 is recounting Israel's entire journey from leaving Egypt all the way to where they are now. Um, There's also the death of Aaron in there, and then also when the Lord speaks to Moses, telling him of Canaan and what they'll have to do to gain that land. Chapter 34 is very specific instructions of land boundaries. Um, Chapter 35 is cities for Levites, and um, they set aside six cities of refuge, um, which is where they shall permit the manslayer to flee. And then they also talk a great deal about the difference between a manslayer and also Avengers of blood and what um, would be considered murder and what would not be technically considered murder? So that was interesting as well, and that—that's basically all of Chapter Thirty-Five, if I remember correctly.
0: Well, I think you remembered very well. That was—I uh, think everyone who is listening right now should clap to themselves uh, for <laughs> Emily for giving the record-speed overview uh, that we've had on this show so way to go Emily thank you <laughs> thank you well I'm the one who thank
1: usually edits the really long overviews, so ah, <laughs> I yeah, wanted to make yeah. it short
0: mm, yes be the change you want to see in the world way to, way to model that <laughs> for, for us Emily all right uh, okay so you know we did the overview this is kind of the end of the book of, of numbers obviously there's some instructions and stuff some interesting instructions as well um, some remembering and, and all that. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. So what in particular, in reading these chapters, stood out to you?
1: Um, I had to read chapter 31 over a few times um, because it was yes. just so brutal. And I had to obviously like look back and figure out why they... <laughs> Killed all of the Midianites. <laughs> right. Um,
0: You're laughing while you say that. You realize that, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm the type of person that laughs in the opposite type of situation you would normally right. laugh at.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. So, what about uh, chapter thirty-one was difficult for you to read about?
1: Um, it probably just the fact that it was it was all vengeance against these people. Um, mm-hmm. Which I like read a few different of like, okay, I read one different opinion, I guess, which was, um, they said something I've heard a lot, which is that vengeance when it comes from God is often looked at as a good thing. Whereas like vengeance coming from man is not a good thing. Um, right. Cause it's coming from different places from sure. man. It's coming from a place of sin. From God, I mean, he can do whatever he wants because he's God. So, right? Um,
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: It was so I when I was reading into like what the Midianites did wrong in the first place, um, I had to go back to Numbers twenty-five, which said that the men of Israel began to I guess sleep with the daughters of Moab and then join in on sacrifices to their gods and ate and bowed down to their gods. Um, which made God mad. And I guess what stood out to me and what made it like hard to swallow is that, I mean, we all kind of <laughs> deserve the same end that the Midianites right. did.
0: <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> which
1: is is big to swallow. Yeah,
0: that is, that is difficult. That's the thing. I mean, we're kind of getting to the next question that we usually ask, which is, uh, was there anything concerning... Uh, mm-hmm. and and this definitely concerns me because truthfully I don't always know what to say in yeah. relation to uh, something like this because you know a lot of times this this is an argument that um, not you know people who don't believe in God or at least um, in, in Jesus as as Lord um, they often you know will refer to what kind of God what kind of good God would, do such a thing and even you know later on they they kill um they only leave or they only spare uh the virgin I, the virgin women uh mm-hmm. and so and one thing that i read into uh, a little bit explained it this way that like you know the way society was was back then in those times, this kind of a, a thing, like raids on village and stuff, and that wasn't uncommon. Um, so it it was a part of the historical context at that time. Another thing was uh, for the women who had no marital relations or anything like that, it would have been easier for them to— and and I don't know if they spared some children or not. I'm not really sure. Um but it would have been easier for those women to assimilate into the tribe of Israel. Whereas the fighting men and women who were married, it would not. And, and thus would have been a distraction and temptation for Israel. So God is really removing, uh, you know, he's completely removing temptation for Israel. Now (laughs) you, I guess you kind of, I guess I, I look at this and I'm wondering, well, didn't Israel uh, give in to that temptation in chapter 25? And uh, mm-hmm. why isn't God spiting them or, or, or punishing them for that? Um, you know, and I, I... Okay, go ahead. Did you have they something? I
1: thought they did kind
0: of punish the Israelites. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I think they get punished by sicknesses and stuff like that, um, and God often punishes the Israelites. But, you know, the thing is that the Israelites are God's chosen people. Mm. And that even brings into question, well, why didn't he choose the Midianites? Like, why didn't he allow them? But there were some Midianites that got adopted into God's family. And really, Jesus is often known as Israel uh, narrowed down to one man. So, Mm. you know, Israel over time, you know, here in the Old Testament, we see Israel as like this vast a group of people, they go into the promised land. Eventually, that leads to the Babylonian exile. Eventually, they're taken over by the Romans, and that's the world that Jesus comes in. And so, there's only a small amount of Israel really there anymore. Really, just you know, pure descendants, not intermingled with other religions or uh, people groups and that kind of thing. Um, and so, Jesus is Israel. He comes purely from. Uh, the people of israel and he is the perfect you know example he lives out the laws given to the israelites perfectly and through jesus we who weren't a part of israel because of our belief in jesus we become a part of the new israel and so um what that kind of shows is god's um desire for all people to be a part of his family and so through jesus because really chapter 31 is is pointing to the things that we can't answer why did god make this happen or why did god order them to go and kill these people and 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 you especially think about that in the book of joshua when they're conquering the whole promised land and he's telling them just kill off these entire people groups well that's those are questions and things that we're not going to be able to answer and we don't have to defend God. Um, we can't. And so then the, the thing that we look to are the clearer things, which is made known and made clearer through Jesus. And so Jesus has ministry to all people, he died for everyone, past, present, and future. And so through Jesus, people who were not originally a part of the Israelites, of God's chosen people, they become a part, they become adopted. Similar to some of the Midianite women who become adopted into the Israelite nation, we through Jesus become adopted into God's family. So okay. that's where I would go with it especially <laughs> because <laughs> you just kind of get stuck, honestly, if you, yeah. if you try to answer like, okay, why would God, you know, and kind of what you talked about, you said God is God and he can do anything he wants. Uh, that's not a satisfying answer, but what you're doing is you're at least giving it back to God and saying, God, you're going to have to defend yourself here because I can't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's better, that is what we... See, that's what Jesus does. Jesus makes things known that previously are unknown to us. And uh, so Jesus makes it more clear, or I guess the proper word would be clearer, um, to the world God's desire and love and character. Here, it's very, it just... Unclear. It's it's kind of unknown. It's hidden, but Jesus reveals the character of God even more so than before. So that that that's kind of where I go with that. I know I've been talking for a long time now. So, <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> uh, yeah. But chapter thirty-one is a hard and difficult one uh, to to look at because it's like, man, is not God? Why is God telling? his people to kill other people. Yeah. Um, but then you think of the flood, yeah. you know, in, in the nurseries and, you know, kids rooms in Christian schools and at churches, you see the ark and the pretty rainbow and the cute little animals and Noah and his family <laughs> with the, the cute cartoon eyes and smiles. But the flood, the story of the flood is even worse than this. Uh yeah, I guess that's true. the yeah, the flood is God wiping out everyone every human on the earth and a bunch of the animals too, except mm-hmm. for two of each kind, and this one like eight person family or something like that. I don't know how many people were in Noah's family, an extended family, but yeah. not very many. Uh, so you know, this isn't a new thing necessarily. I guess the thing that gets a little uh confusing or hard to deal with for me personally, is God using his people to enact his vengeance and justice, uh, to other nations, Mm. but yeah. Anyways, uh, any thoughts on any other thoughts on that, Emily, uh, on chapter 31?
1: Um, no.
0: Okay. Another thing that stood out to me, Mm-hmm. and everything that stands out i think at least for me in this section of scripture is a little bit concerning and confusing at the same time yeah uh, it's chapter 30 when they're talking about vows so okay yeah know, so uh you might get questioned about like you know uh like women's rights and that kind of thing and like e- equal equal rights because it, it seemed very much so that the woman is bound to uh, the authority of her husband, if she's under her husband, or the authority of her father, if she's under, if she's not married. Um, widows have are, are an exception, it's, but what kind of runs through your mind, or what questions do you have when you were looking at this section where the it almost seems like the the woman or the woman has to adhere to the man in authority over her.
1: So I kind of saw it more as just the, the men in her life have a responsibility okay. over her um, okay. because she it's not saying she can't make a vow at all. like she has the freedom yeah, to make true. a vow but um, she's responsible for her own vow unless you know and unless the dad or the husband like doesn't agree so he would speak out against it and kind of looking out for her I guess is the way I kind of read into it. Um, and then like, if she does say a vow and, um, I don't know, it's not a good one. I'm trying to find in scripture where it says <laughs> it, but she makes a vow. And then like the husband says nothing to her from day to day. Um, and then he establishes all her vows. Wait, where am I? Yeah. Some, okay. Tell me about like, if she makes a vow and the husband doesn't say anything for a few days and then decides to say something. Um, he takes on all of her, right. he bears her iniquity.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So he's held responsible for
1: that. Yeah. 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 So um, I, 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 didn't see it as like, women can't do anything and <laughs> they're right. bound to their husbands. I thought more of just sort of, they have a responsibility as like the head of the house.
0: Right. Okay. In a way. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of seeing it. I think that you know, it's clear that God, value the family unit, Mm -hmm. the household unit, and that he values relationship. You know, he made Adam and then he said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. Uh, Even though Adam had God, Adam had a perfect existence with God. And yet God said, we need a family here, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he made woman and he made uh, that marriage and that family unit. And so he, he's, uh, I, I, I see this also as God Uh, trying to direct harmonious relationship between families, uh, kids and their fathers, and also uh, husbands and wives. And uh, that's a really good thing because every, every law that God gives is out of love. It really is uh, designed to direct his people into living a certain way that reflects his character. And Mm -hmm. so we also see God made known in how, um, the people obey him, and how they, you know, don't make vows, you know. Uh, I guess carelessly, they are careful with the kind of vows that they make, and these vows were intended to be uh, for the sake of, of God, as an offering to God, and that kind of thing. So, right. Uh, anyways, yeah. So yeah, I like that answer, and um, it's just I sometimes I think I can I can see the counter argument to some of these things. <laughs> as well. Yeah. (laughs) So I I definitely think about that. But um, yeah, and you're right that even if if people aren't speaking up right away, then they're held accountable to that. And so really, a big theme that I see in this section of scripture is obedience. You know, being a person of your word. uh, God Mm -hmm. cares about like, don't use words carelessly. Don't profane the name of God by making a vow carelessly. And and, and actually, your relationship between other people matter a lot to God.
1: Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Okay. All <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> anything else that um, stands out to you, that concerns you? Is there anything that gives you hope, even, in this uh, these chapters? Um, I've got
1: one... I guess concern, thing that okay. concerns me, form of a question. So um, chapter 33, that's recounting Israel's journey. When you get to verse 50 through 56, it's recounting when the Lord spoke to Moses and like told him about Canaan and how they'll have to like drive out the inhabitants there and stuff. So my question is, because um, they're wandering around for like 40 years. Did they not know where they were going to end up until Lord the Lord spoke to Moses about Canaan?
0: Well, they, they knew where they were. They got to like the promised land, I believe within about a year's time, somewhere yeah. around a year's time from when they left Egypt. Okay. And then, um, but it seems like, um, and then they... Set out from the mountains. I'm reading verse 48 of chapter 33. And they camped in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. And then... Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Well, anyways, it's, they, they made it to the promised land. And then that's when you have uh, the story about, you know, Joshua and Caleb were in the group of 12 spies. Maybe it was mm-hmm. 12... They were in a group of spies and Joshua and Caleb were saying, yes, we can we can take over this land. It's all good. And the other people were saying, no, it's not all good. These 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 men uh, in their armies are huge and uh, we are we are going to die if we try to do this. We should not try to take over the land at all. Um, And so because of their disobedience they you know, they stirred up uh, those those spies, they stirred up doubt. In Israel, and so all the people were like, "Yeah, let's not do this." And so that's when God punishes Israel, except for uh, Moses and Joshua and Caleb. He says, Uh um, "The rest of you are going to wander in the wilderness and for forty years, and you will die in the wilderness." So then, only your children will enter the promised land but then of course Moses disobeys God and uh, he doesn't even enter the promised land but Caleb and Joshua do okay Um, so that's where the 40 years come from right they went to the promised land first they knew where it was but I mean this is a you walk everywhere in these days and (laughs) you're they're going by a pillar of fire and a cloud (laughs) and so God's really their GPS I guess, and. Uh, so, anyways, uh, they they were there, and then they disobeyed God. So He punished punished them for forty years, and then once that generation died off, th- here they are again. This this is the second time around. They're in the plains of Moab, and they are um they are they're getting ready and preparing to wow. enter the Promised Land officially. So that's where this is happening. And that's why uh, if you, in chapter 32, the tribe of Reuben and Gad, they want to settle on the other side of the Jordan. They don't want to settle way deep into the promised land. They're they're just saying, hey, we're good here. Uh, We have what we need. And that's why Moses very quickly says, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, This is what happened before, where you settled for less and you were saying, hey, we're good. We don't need to go in and conquer this land or whatever it is. Um, And that's why Moses was concerned about Reuben and Gad uh, doing that, because Mm -hmm. he was concerned about the rest of Israel having doubts and then not following through another time. Uh, but Reuben and Gad, they say, okay, well, if that's the case, then we'll help you conquer the land. We'll send our, our fighting men there while our our women and children stay behind in our new land. We'll help you fight. And then once we're done with that, we'll go back and settle where we want to settle. Um, so that, that's kind of, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. Uh, but... I, I almost forget uh, your initial question. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, It was. Uh, did they not know where they were going? Uh, yeah, no, I they, hadn't
1: they, realized that they had already made it to the promised land. Right,
0: so, um, yeah, they're right on the edge of it, okay. so there's not a lot of opposition at that point. They had mm-hmm. already kind of taken over uh, the uh, the opposing nations and tribes, kind of, you know, you have the Jordan River that separates the, on the east, the pro, the non-promised land, and on the west is the land of Canaan, which we, you know, in Jesus' time is, you had Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and then north of that is, like, Galilee and that whole area. So that's right. all in, like, this big old area that we know as the promised land in Old Testament times. So that's the land that belongs to Israel. Okay. Um. So they're basically they're getting ready because in the book of Deuteronomy, which comes next, Moses is going to give his last word to the people before they go in. And then oh. in the book of Joshua, which comes after Deuteronomy, that's when Joshua, who's now in Moses's position, that's when it talks about them having all these battles and wars taking over Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, <laughs> Jericho. So that's where that happens in the book okay. of Joshua. So right. It, it, they say they're in the plains of Moab, uh, right at Jericho. So I'm assuming that they just have the city surrounded and all the people in Jericho are, are probably a little scared at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what, going on anyways um the thing that uh, st- stood out to me if i can remember it oh yeah was chapter 33 like you said um was how they recounted their whole journey from the land of egypt up to the point that they are now and and i thought that was you know interesting because i think it's always good to remember where you came from yeah, And sometimes, you know, especially when you're going into uh, a time in your life or whatever uh, in the future where you know it's going to be kind of a rocky road ahead. Um, I know that people in my life have reminded me, well, let they, they just help me pause for a second and say, well, let's review everything that you've been through. and uh, And, you know, even when you're maybe feeling unsure or doubting yourself, uh, you you remind yourself what God has done for you. And I think that's what we do. That's what we as followers of Jesus do all the time. That's why we um, are a part of Christian communities and, and a community of believers that reminds us the faithfulness of God um, throughout our entire lives. And so yeah. whenever we're questioning that, whenever we're doubting that, we just remember where we've come from and what God has brought us through. Yeah. So.
1: I feel like that whole section also just kind of speaks to the reliability of the Bible because mm. they're, I mean, they're like record keeping of yeah. every single place that they camped and where they set out for.
0: Yeah. And so. uh, some yeah. sometimes the names have changed and stuff uh, since mm-hmm. those times, but there are a lot of places because the Bible is so detailed that have been affirmed with archaeological evidence, and so yeah. uh, that's there's definitely even, helpful.
1: There, yeah, there's even a place. There's like parentheses all throughout that section. That's like, oh, and this these names changed, or this is now called this, which oh, okay. probably has changed again. Oh but.
0: yeah, yeah, I see that. Okay, yeah, that that is cool, um, and yeah, definitely affirms the the historical accuracy. Yeah. Um, you know that these and that that's the thing too to remember that these these things they happened in a at a historical time with real people in a particular culture. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, people talk about, well, there's slavery in the Bible or whatever or, or the Bible condones slavery. Well, no. Uh, slavery in those ancient times were different than what we think of as slavery. Um, it, you know there's a particular culture and time and that doesn't mean that that's the type of culture and you know historical context that god always wants to have be a part of our world because he's leading us even in these cultural times that we have right now in our country this isn't what this isn't god's final plan but there are certain things that are just you know, that we would understand differently as Americans than maybe somebody else. Um, yeah. And so that's important to remember is to read the Bible and, and kind of remember, you know, the whole idea of a family unit. Like they would not, you know, sometimes, like we said, people go back and they look at verse or chapter 30 or 31 and they're like, oh my goodness, like uh, this is just to us is a stark, it's just shocking. It's astounding. Yeah. It takes us back. But for those people, this is, this isn't anything new. This is everyday life. And, yeah. um, you know, for women and vows, that section, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have thought of it twice. You know, um, it just, yeah, that's how family units were. That's how it, it was. And I'm not saying that that's, what I'm, what I want to be careful to say is, I'm not saying that's the final goal. I'm just right. saying when we read these things, we want to remember that it was a certain way and the way that this happened. So there are some things that do apply to that particular people group in that particular cultural context. And there are other things that we glean from it or that are very clear that apply universally. So, um, yeah. Not everything is taken literalistically, but we do read the Bible uh, in in its context. But anyways, uh, now I'm sounding like a a professor. Um, (laughs) So so anything that gives you great hope, or give you hope, uh, in reading Numbers?
1: Okay, so really through like a whole group of these chapters, the Lord speaks to Moses quite a bit. And, uh, I hit, I hit chapter 34 and he's giving him very clear instructions of what to do. And he's talking to him a lot. And it's not just like, go, go get this land. It's go get yeah. this land. And then your boundary lines on the East are from here to here and the West from here to here. And it's, it, at first I was like, dang, I wish that like, um, God would speak to me like that, (laughs) Mm, (laughs) That, clearly. But it it does end up giving me hope because it's like he did it once before. It's not to say like he would never speak to anyone like that again. And maybe it's like I need to strive more on my end um, in my relationship with him, you know, and then maybe one day. One day. one day he'll give me clear instructions of what I'm supposed to do in my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You know, I, yeah, I get that. Um, sometimes you kind of just want that voice from heaven Mm -hmm. to come down and say, I want you to drive this way on I-10. And when you see the person (laughs) on the side of the road, you are to pick them up (laughs) instead of passing them by as you always do. Yeah, And, uh, or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, God speaks to us in a variety of ways, you know, yeah. and kind of going back to what I was talking about before with Jesus really making the character and, uh, and love of God known mm-hmm. is, you know, in Hebrews, at the beginning of Hebrews, it says, in many and in various ways, God spoke to us by the prophets, and in these, four, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And cool. so um, I think it's not as satisfying for us. <laughs> you know, we want the voice from heaven, that kind of thing. But, right. you know, even Peter talked about, like, we were eyewitnesses. We, we heard the voice from heaven. And so we have, what we do have is we have what has been passed down to us from the people who were there. Um, So it's not, you know, a clear voice from heaven, but even the disciples, even the Israelites, they, even Moses, heard God say, you are to, uh, I think he said, you are to speak to the rock, and then water will come out. And God said that to Moses, and yet Moses struck the rock with his stick, And that's why he didn't enter the promised land because he disobeyed God when God spoke directly to him. And so, um, it just kind of shows you the, the human nature. So like, you know, I've, I've struggled with that a lot of times too. Um, but something that my, my wife had encouraged me in, uh, when I was going through a time of, of serious doubt was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was telling her, "Oh, I just want God to reveal Himself to me. I just want like it to be so abundantly clear." And even uh, non Christians in my life have asked me, "Well, if God wants us to, everyone to know about Him, why didn't He just come down?" And of course, like people say, "Well, He He did," you know. Uh, but <laughs> that's not what they're asking. Um, but my wife said, "Well, why don't instead of praying that God would reveal Himself to you, that He you He would open your eyes?" to his revealing that he would open your eyes to his revealing the revealing he's already done which is through jesus which is through his church which is through his community and through his word uh it's just not we're we're human we want it to be so obvious we want it to be so clear and we want to like I mean, I guess it's a testament to how God made us because we're made to be face-to-face kind of people. Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate goal, that we're going to live forever with Jesus face-to-face, talking with him in the way that we want to, we've always wanted to. Um, So, anyways, um, yeah, it's it's, it's not always easy, but it, it is... It does show God's character and that he likes to speak with his yeah. people directly. Um, um, yeah, so that was awesome. I think we will end on that before we are I, I I guess end our first part um, and we will take a break and be right back. Okay. <laughs> All right, welcome back to our second part of Grow Up and Talk. We, uh, in this second half, well, actually it's less than half now, but uh, we talk (laughs) about how this whole thing applies to our lives today as uh, Christians. So um, how do you see this um, portion of Scripture having overall importance to our lives today?
1: I think um, it's clear throughout the whole thing and all of these different excerpts that um, there's a very clear direction that God wants his people to go. And then there's very clear consequences of what happens if they don't. Right. Which I think we can look at that and compare it to our lives Today and the Old Testament's very tricky sometimes to compare to your life today. <laughs> um, but what I'm taking from this is that God's intentions are clear and they're true. Right. Even even in life right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good, um, and I will piggyback off of that. Is that God cares about? God cares about our lives. He cares about our relationships with other people, mm-hmm. and he he doesn't. You know, a lot of times, you know, people talk about well, our relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives. Which, yes, in a sense, is true, but our relationship with God is never removed. From our relationship with other people and um, you know what they say in the seminary a lot is theology does not happen in a vacuum and mm-hmm. God does not operate in a vacuum he operates in real human relationships through human through real human words and writings and uh, common language which is what we see in the Bible and uh, he does that so much that he comes down to earth in as a human and lives as a human man um, at the at the same time being God. But in Jesus, uh, we see how how clear God's intentions really are, and how He is a God that doesn't just care about our quote vertical relationship with him but he cares about the horizontal relationship that we have with one another and he 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 cares very very much about that actually we see that a lot in books like Leviticus which are often written off um, or ignored in a lot of ways because they're so it it can feel long-winded sure but the fact that God goes into so much detail with books like that and even uh With numbers, it just shows how much care God has um, for the lives of His of all people, and uh, so, anyways, uh, yeah, I I see that being important because as Christians, you know, everything we do is is influenced by our relationship with God, and Mm -hmm. uh, we we can't go around compartmentalizing our lives. Um, God doesn't want us to do that and and he's saying that's not the best way to live the best way to live is to let our relationship with him influence our relationships and actions uh, with other people so yeah cool alrighty so as always we have a random question uh, which is sort of random in the fact that I can't think quickly enough on my feet so I prepared it ahead of time <laughs> But uh, I have heard a little bird has told me that um, there's been a new game that's really popular right now, and uh, tons of people are playing it. And I've seen it all over Facebook, all over the internet. It's called Animal Crossing. My sister used to play this game when she was younger, and she would play this all the time. I totally didn't get it, but apparently I'm missing out. And uh, if you don't know, um, Animal Crossing is a video game. It it is recently released on the Nintendo Switch. So Mm -hmm. if you think way back in time, there was the original Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch is the 2000, well, I don't know, 2018, 2019, whenever it was released, the modern-day version of the original Nintendo. So it's just a... I guess an evolution of that, basically. And it's the latest console, video game video game system, and Animal Crossing is a game uh, about animals living together, I guess. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> oh, uh, no! I meant animals and people interacting with one another. Um, so, Emily, that's, that was like a, such a long lead-in <laughs> to this question because the question doesn't have to do with Animal Crossing. But, Emily, if you could be any... No, if you could be, (laughs) you could be any kind of animal in real Uh, life, what animal uh, would that be and why? Actually, if you could be, if you could transform into any animal at any time you wanted to in your everyday life and then transform back into a human, what animal would that be?
1: That's a different question.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, I changed it. See, it was random.
1: Okay, keeping me on my toes. So, if I could transform any type of animal. See, okay. I would probably want to transform into some type of bird. Yeah. Because I think flying at any time that I wanted to is a really cool skill to have. Now, I, birds are not my favorite animal. I think they're okay. annoying and a little freaky. So, if I could just be any animal, which was your first question, I would be some sort of like snow leopard or something.
0: Ooh, nice! Very yeah. good. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously the bird transforming into a bird is very appealing. Uh, however, I'm gonna I'm gonna be go a little bit of a different way with this, and okay. I would love, I, 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 well, love, wow, that's a strong word, but I would transform (laughs) into a fly uh, so that I could be a fly on the wall uh, because (sighs) I'm going to make this sound a little bit sad, but because I can't always hear very well, uh, you know, I often miss out on things. And so I'd love to be a real fly on the wall, you know, quite literally. (laughs) Um, So anyways, Okay. Uh, if i had if i had to live for the rest of my life as any any animal <laughs> i'd probably go with a, a tortoise because they <laughs> live <laughs> they live a really long time Thank actually you. i'm gonna go with the monkey because that's really what okay. i want to be all right. Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to end this. Uh, basically, you can email your questions to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Please send us some questions or feedback, and uh, we will definitely use that. Uh, this has been Grow Up and Talk. Uh, thanks, Emily, for uh, keeping this podcast going strong, and, and we'll see you next time. All Peace.
1: Right. Bye.